Man, I'm excited to, uh, to preach today. I'm so excited that I don't know where to start because there's so much that God has been downloading over the last uh, month, really. And, and this has really been the truth. Uh, this, this sermon series that we're starting today, launching today, man, I've been chewing on this thing and God has been downloading and, and lifting, showing and revealing. And so I'm so excited to share. I'm so excited that I'm nervous. Because I'm, I'm nervous that I, I want to make sure that we, I listen and am able to, 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 to let you know what God wants to say. Now, I know that's a bold statement, but this cool thing is that all through Scripture we see that God uses individuals, normal people like you and me, to do an extraordinary thing. And I believe that God is not changed in that he wants to continue to do extraordinary things through you, through me, and through um, our kids and, and all of that. But often we realize that sometimes, and maybe this was mostly in my life, but I recognize in my life that when I found myself in a place where I was feeling lesser than or doing lesser than, it was often because I felt lesser than. In other words, sometimes I, I, I was like, oh man, I, yeah, I, I, can't, I, I can't do the right thing and all this. And often as I look at myself, I realize that there was because there was something in me that had lost my identity of who I was in Christ. And it caused me to live lower than what God wanted me to live. And so I believe that without a shadow of a doubt that God wants us to know who we are. I, we heard this this morning. And so we're going to look at that. And this is really what this series is about. This series is about you about me, about us, as it has to do with who we are in Christ. Now, I want to make sure we understand this is not so that we can feel prideful or boastful or any of those kind of things, because understand that the only way that we have what we have in Christ is because of Christ. It's not because we were worth it, I mean, excuse me, that we were worthy of it, but we were worth it in Christ. Amen? And so I want you to understand that as we do this, that we are changing our minds to what God has already declared over you. The Bible says that before you were formed, he knew you. And he knew you as great. He knew you as called. And he knew you as appointed. And that's what our series is called today. Called and appointed. Someone say called and appointed. We're declaring that today. Now, in order to do this, first I want to look at a scripture, this will kind of be our foundation scripture for most of at least the beginning half. This series really has two halves. We're going to concentrate first on the called half. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, it's not on your handout. It's listed there, but you'll have to read it in your, in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We want to get you a Bible. But make sure you bring your Bible so we can look at this because... All of the things that I say are not important, but what God's word says is important. And so we always want to lay eyes on what God's word says, because he's the one that is our foundation. His words are our foundation, and this is how we can stand. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're going to read it together. I do have it on the screen. Hopefully, campus, you'll be able to see that. We're working on that. But I, I thought it might be fun, now that everybody's comfortable, I thought it might be fun to stand as we read this together, okay? So I'm going to ask you to stand your feet, and we're going to read this. Now, I know this sounds silly, but I'm trying to appropriate our mind to what God says about us. 
And sometimes, sometimes we sit back and we'll say something, and that's great. But when we stand, it's almost like it's attention, okay? And so I just figured it was an important thing to draw attention to God's word as we lay the foundation this morning, as it has to do with us being called and chosen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own appointed, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Father, we love you and we praise you. Father, we declare these things that, that's your word that you declared today over us. Father, we take this word and we know that it's truth because it's from you and you only speak truth. And so, Father, we, may we dwell on it. May we absorb it. May we digest it. May we learn from it, Father, what you desire in our lives today. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that we would hear your words, that we would hear what you're saying, that we would lean into it. Holy Spirit, move and do right now. We love you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining with me in that. I want to read that one more time to you. And I want you to look at this, this one more time. I want you to hear it now. It says, but you are a chosen generation. God says you're chosen. In fact, in John, it says, I didn't, you didn't choose me. I chose you. God over and over again reminds us that we are chosen. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The Bible also says that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that we have become kings and priests under the father. And so you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own appointed, or one translation says elect, or devoted one, or belonging to him, set aside for, that you may, may proclaim the praises of him who called you. Say called you. He called you out of darkness and in his marvelous light. What awesome news. What an amazing thing. Knowing who we are is so important. Knowing who we are in Christ, putting us, is so important that many way, in many ways, in order, if we're going to understand what our identity, we have to know who we are. In order to know who you are, you have to know your identity. Does that make sense? Understand that the only way that we do this is if we see ourselves through God. Our activities and what we do will never consistently take the shape that God wants us to have, what the Bible teaches about. If we don't see our identity, this is what I mean. What we see, when we see as God sees us, we will do and have what God says we can do. We have to believe it in our heart. We have to do it. So we, we've worked over the last few weeks on resetting, resetting our words, resetting our minds, resetting our hearts so that we're ready to now see who we are in Christ. So I'm going to pray this. This is my, my cry, my, my, my desire, that you would lean in today. That you would put every preconceived idea of any kind of notion of who you are, who's you, and any of that, off to the side for a moment. And you would let God lean in, and, and he's sitting on the edge of his throne. He's ready to speak to us today without a shadow of a doubt. So the next few minutes, we're going to look at God's word as it has to do with this today. Are you ready? Is anybody ready today? 
All right, let's look at this. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at this scripture and we're going to see something really amazing. Now, I'm going to just kind of, we're going to start in verse 11 and I'm going to read this to you. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I? Now, I want to back up for just a moment and give you some context. We know that Moses has been, uh, just a, a chapter and a half before, has been introduced. He was born, we know that he was a Hebrew, of Hebrew descent. Uh, but he grew up in, ro- in a royal nation. So there's a long story. I don't get into all of that, but I want to remind you. So now we find ourselves, Moses finds himself in a place where he is living as an Egyptian, but he is actually a Hebrew, and he watches as his ancestors are being mistreated. And something rises up within him, and, and he, he begins to, to, to defend them. And in fact, he actually sins against uh, what he was supposed to do and and kills um, this individual that was abusing a Hebrew. And so he flees because he knew he did wrong. And he flees and he runs away. And we find Moses in this place. We find him now, though he had a great calling, we find him in the field somewhere tending sheep, tending a flock that he he, he was like in a, in a, in this weird holding pattern of, between his identity of who God says he was and what he felt like he was because of a mistake. Has anyone ever felt that way before? You made a mistake and now you qualified yourself as that mistake. And this is what Moses did. And this is where we find Moses. And God speaks to Moses because God always speaks to his kids when we're right on and when we're off. He's always speaking. He's always wooing. He's always moving. He loves your, his kids. And he's always looking for an opportunity to remind them of who they are. He's always looking for a to, moment to recalculate, to bring them back to where God had called them to be. He's never going to stop doing that. That is God. That is his heart. That's the heart of why Jesus came. So we could have a relationship with the Father. And that's the truth. And so, so we find Moses. He's wandering. He's doing this. And God is still talking to him, even though he's far away from his true identity. And it's in this we find himself um, a little bit living under his identity. Not in the work that he did, but we'll see how he felt about himself, what he identified with. Okay? So it says, now, uh, uh, in verse 11, he says, But Moses said to God, now let me back up here because I want to read you this. Moses says to God, I want you, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so now God is finding him at probably the furthest point in Moses' mind of being able to do something great for God. He's kind of doing mediocre. Now, I'm not diminishing what he was doing, but it was under his calling and what God had for him. And he's living under there, and so God finds where he is and says, so now I'm sending you. And, 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 and maybe you and me would be like this. I'd be like, uh, I think you got the wrong number, God, because, um, uh, you know, I did this and I did that. And I'm hanging out here and I, that, you know, and God, God doesn't even acknowledge that. He just simply begins to speak his destiny. He just begins to speak that he's called and appointed. He says, he says, I'm sending you. 
He didn't say, I'm so sick and tired of what you did and what you're... No, he didn't say that. He may have been, but he understood that the idea was that we can speak life, and when we speak life, life comes. That there's life and death in our tongue. So God speaks life, and he says, now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And probably how I would respond too, but God... But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? Verse 12, and God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's your name? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Where'd you come from? What should I tell them? In verse 14, God said, Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am. I am has sent me to you. Who I am. One of the most asked questions that I get as a pastor. One of the most asked questions, who, who, who am I? What can I do? Where, you know, I don't come from the right tracks, side of the tracks, so to speak. I don't, I don't have this. I don't have this or that. Who am I? And he, he was called for this amazing task, and, but he felt insignificant. Does anyone ever relate to that? And God says, listen, I, I'm going I, to look at this. And we're, I wanted to start this series. If you've been around me, you know one of my greatest joys is for you to see who you are in Christ. One of my, what really gets me going is when you begin to see who you are. That's who I am. That's, it's who God created me to be. In fact, so much so that he started me off as a photographer. And my desire was to make sure everyone looked good. And my heart was if they, if, they, if they felt they could look good, they might have a better self-image of themselves. This is the way God treated me and, and, and led me because he knew that he had put something on the inside of me that desired that you would reach the potential, that I would reach potential, that we would all reach potential that God has guaranteed and destined for us to, to achieve. So this is the very heart of ministry for me. This is my mission. This is what I want to do. I'll always lean that direction. Because that's just how God has called me. Other people have different types of ways that they will minister and do. And that's amazing. But for me, I'm all about, I want to make sure you know God loves you. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what. I know there's some wrong things and I know we participate and it's not good and it's horrible. But I just still want you to know that God loves you. No matter what. Now my hope is that we draw into that love that will tend to want to mimic him and be more like him and mirror his who he is and who he's called us to be because often when we don't see who we are we wonder who we're going to be and so that's where the angle in which i believe god has called me and so this in this minute this is how i move and so this is what i was ready to do in this series i was ready to to tell all of the things why you are awesome in god's eyes and i started looking at this and i started micing them down marking the key points and deal with identity and god totally stopped me he totally stopped me, and I was like, well, what's going on? And he stopped me. He said, because this, he said, how many, 
let me ask you this. How many have ever made an assumption before? Okay. So I don't need to tell you what assumptions do at times. And so it's in that idea, he, he says, listen, don't assume that everybody understands how to get to this spot. Start with another phase. So I, 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 talking about assuming, I, I think if I look at my life, many of my life's challenges came from assumptions. Some of the things that I participated in or are, even if I didn't, do something the way I was thinking was an assumption. It's one of those uh, uh, drawbacks, if you will, to an individual that's kind of a words of affirmation person. You start to assume if you hear something good, that must mean automatically bad. And you begin to make these and jump these assumptions, and it's in those assumptions that I would find myself, especially in high school, trying to do cool things in hopes that someone would think I was cool. I had a mullet. Man, I look good in my mullet, by the way. But understand that I lived my life in this way because I made assumptions based on what other people's expectations or at least what I thought their expectations were. I need to remind you of something. You or me or anyone else, none of us can read people's minds. So for us to expect or to assume that someone is thinking what they're thinking, whether they are or not, is, is not important because often what happens is we often think what isn't. We often think that if I don't reach my potential, and the scary thing about the word potential is often potential is perceived by who, what we expect others think we should be doing rather than what God says we are. That's why I, we tell our kids, and we started from early on, we didn't say, you could do anything you want to do. I believe they have all the potential in the world, but I would tell them, you do what God has you to do. Let's pray that God would lead you on what you should do. I, you know, as a dad, I'm like, you could do anything. I look at my kids, and they can do this, this, this. I'm like, man, they're, do anything you want. But the truth of it is, we're not to do anything we want. We're to do what God has called us to do. And it's only in that calling that we will find satisfaction. It's only in that calling that we'll find that inner what we need and what we want. And so it's in this idea that we look at this. So we're not assuming. Say, we're not assuming. We're not assuming in relationships. We're not assuming in our offenses, investments, rash decisions. Oh, man, how many rash decisions did I make based on assumption? We're not doing that. I want to be so bold to say this. That when we have a wrong assumption, it leads to a wrong conclusion. And when we have a wrong conclusion, it almost always leads to a wrong action. So all I'm trying to do today is to not assume. We're going to look at who he is today. We're going to look at the Father. The first thing I want to establish in this message is that God establishes in this, when he talks to Moses, knowing that Moses is called, he establishes not who Moses is, but he first establishes who God is. I think this is so important because if we don't have the right foundation, when things don't line up on who I think I am, then I get tossed to and fro. But when I stand firm on who God is, when God speaks louder in my life than the circumstance, 
then no matter what I'm facing or looking at or feeling or been told, I can say, that's not who I am. And that's what I want us to see today. God seems to skip Moses' question altogether in this passage. Do you see that? But, God said, but, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. He didn't say, he said, I'll be with you. No, God, you didn't hear me. Who, who, do you, who, who am I? He says, I'll be with you. He said, this will be the sign that I've sent you. When you have brought, you see this assumption? It's not if you will, or I hope you can. It says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God always assumes the best, expects the best, because why? He sees who you are. He knows who you are. In fact, he formed you. Before you knew you, before mom and dad knew you, he knew you. And not only did he know you, but he created you. And it's in that creation and in that understanding that he leads you and guides you. And so he says, not who you are, Moses. Let's put that to the side for a moment. How about we just make the establishment of who I am? I am who I am. I'm God. Amen? In order to see who we are, we have to understand first that we need to know who God is. He's our backer. He's our bodyguard. He's the man. He's the one that allows us to do what we do. It's not us. Say, it's not us. It's God in us. And so as we look at this today, I want to talk about this. I want to look at this. And this was really, this really messed up, messed me up. Because I wanted, again, to say all the great things about you. And God says, you say all the things that are great about me. And that will encourage, raise us up. Now we can see we're seated the right hand of the Father with Christ. Everybody say God is. We're going to just brag on God a little bit. We're going to brag on God. And I think we did that today already in worship. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. We went to God. When you need something, we go to God. When we need something, we don't look at, oh man, why I messed up. We look to God. He is our, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Say God is. So God says who am I? And he says, number one, if you're following your hand out, God is the creator. Now, this seems simple. Of course, in Genesis chapter one, it says God created the heaven and earth. We know he starts there. And the idea is why, why, why is this important? Because when we have the creator on our side, when we will take, stay in tune with the, at the side of the creator, we'll figure out how things work. Now, often in life, we will, instead of looking at the creator, we look at the creation. And we try to make creation be the God of things. In other words, if this is really cool, this is really great, that's fantastic. But that's all fantastic until you understand that God created it. Uh, my wife is in, is in nursing school, or she's working towards being a nurse. And she's learning all of these things about our body. Do you know our body is magnificent? It's amazing what it can do. What it does. And right now she's working on the cellular level, which I don't even understand. Talking about DNA and molecules and cells and all of these things. And do you know 
that in your DNA, one strand of DNA, though we can't see it with a naked eye, we can't see it without a really strong uh, uh, magnifying glass or, or whatever, is, is that if you were to take that DNA and you were to stretch it out, it would be six feet long. One strand of DNA is six foot long. Like, how is that possible? I can't even see it. I don't know. And we could worship that idea and say, man, ah, oh, man, this body is awesome and amazing. And that's great, but don't forget who made the body. And so it's understand that we must first understand that when we see God is, he's the creator of all things. And so he's the answer. He's the one. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's so big. He's so awesome. And let's not pollute or dilute who God is by looking to his awesome and his awesome creation. I'm not saying it's not amazing. I, I, I remember uh, sitting, some of you, you sit on your, your tree stands and, and you're just like, man, this is beautiful. Seeing the birds chirp and the squirrels bug you and, and you know, all of those things happening. And then you see doe come in or that buck come in and it's just just it's just beautiful and it would be very easy to just get caught up in that and i'm not saying that you should admire that but understand that they can go to the place where we begin to worship that that begins to begin the thing that we desire more than anything and then we find ourselves doing that and not doing what we should does that make sense it's all about balance and understand that god created that thing and then if we seek god we're going to see even greater things that even though this world and this nature and what God has created is amazing, he's so much bigger because he's the one who created that in the first place. Say God is. Say God is the creator. Second thing we want to look at is that number two, he is all we need. He's all we need. Now, I want to prove this to you. Not by convincing you, but I want to prove to this by sharing some of what the Bible calls his names. What G, what, who God is, his names. And so this is, you're like, I, I might not have ever heard this. This is cool. This gives you something to study as we figure out who God is. He's all we need. His, it's proven in his names. The first name that God we see with God is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, what does that mean? Jehovah Jireh means... The Lord, our provider. God is everything we need. If we need something, we don't say, oh, man, I know I'm a worship work or I'm going to worship uh, investments or worship. I'm not saying don't do these things, but where we put our stock in, where we put our thing is in the provider. God is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Number two, Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi is our banner. Now, our banner means that you, you've, you've heard this, our ban, his banner over me is love. But the banner actually represents victory. The banner represents that in a military, when they would have the flag going, and they would, that's why it was so important, keep that flag, because that flag proved victory. And sometimes they would make sure they kept that flag up, even when they were losing, just as a declaration, we're going to win this thing. But the cool thing is we don't have to just declare it. God says we are the winners because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And he proves that by being our banner. His victory is always there. He's always victorious. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. 
and our banner is his love for us. The third name we see here is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom is our perfect peace. You've heard this Shalom, peace. Shalom is our perfect peace. The actual meaning of Shalom is a perfect peace of nothing missing, a wholeness and a completeness. It's not just a stillness, but it's a completeness. And it's when we are feeling in completeness that then we can rest in him. And God is our completeness. And so he is our Jehovah Shalom. You still with me today? All right, Jehovah. The next one is Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's okay. It still means the same thing. Jehovah Sidkenu is the Lord, our righteousness. He is our righteousness. He is the righteous. And if we lean into him, if we'll press into him, if we'll realize he's all we need, he said he makes us righteous. How does that happen? Through Christ alone. Christ is our righteousness. He makes us in right standing. So we are, he, he is Jehovah Sidkenu. The next one is Jehovah Raha. Jehovah Raha. Jehovah Raha is the Lord our shepherd. Our shepherd is the one who leads us. So when you feel astray and you feel far off, he's our shepherd. The Bible says that he never, our shepherd, Jehovah Raha, never leaves you and he never forsakes you. That's the translation. When he says the Lord never leaves you, it's the name Jehovah Raha. Doesn't it feel like, ah, Jehovah Raha. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. So famous uh, scripture in, in Psalms chapter 23. The Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. This is Jehovah Raha. The last one I have listed here is Jehovah Rapha. Not Jehovah Ra, but Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha is, I am the Lord, your physician, or your healer. God is all we need. When you feel lesser than, when you feel that, that, can I remind you that Jehovah Rapha means that by his stripes you were healed. And that Jehovah Rapha was God's name before Jesus took on the, the stripes. But Jesus taking the stripes on her body guaranteed it, solidified it, and sealed it for you and me when Christ came. And so Jehovah Rapha is your physician. Isn't that good? Now, there's a couple that I, I neglected that I, I realized that I didn't get on your notes. So you'll have to write this down yourself. So I should see busy hands now because this is important. Jehovah Sabbath. Sabbath S-A-B-A-O-T-H. It's the Lord of hosts. The Lord Almighty. Now, this is an important one. Because it's the Lord Almighty that brings us into victory. When David was facing Goliath, when he looked at Goliath and he said, you, he, David said this, he said, you come with swords and spears. He says, but I come in the name of the Lord. He used the name, the actual translation is Jehovah Sabbath. The Lord Almighty. He's everything we need. 
The next one and last one that we'll speak on his names is Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. S-H-A-M-M-A-H. It is the Lord is there or here. It represents the omnipresence of God. Now this is a good thing. Because this is where we get this, the Lord never leaves you. He's always there. He knows what's happened. In a time when we've lived in, I know we felt like, man, our, our world is kind of tips, tops, turvy, and all kinds of craziness. And you're like, ah, listen. Jehovah Shammah says God's with us. He's not off the throne. It didn't catch him off guard. He was like, oops, I turned around. Sorry, everybody. No, he's Jehovah Shammah. He's always present. Which means his, his always present means his, his help is always present. It's guaranteed that. Jehovah Shammah. Number three, as we look at the next uh, hand in your handout, the third thing that God is, say God is, God is holy. He's holy. God is holy. We're like, I know this, but he's blameless. He's perfect. And God sent his son, the perfect son. God is all truth. So when you feel as if you're like, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what's going on. God is all truth. When you're like, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. God says, who am I? I'm holy. I'm truth. God is incapable of evil. Did you know that? God is incapable of evil. It's as far as the east as the west, like our sin, is God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, I want you to see this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? James chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone? God is holy. He's everything. He's holy. He's everything we need. And unlike any other religion in the world, number four, he's both infinite, he's strong and he's mighty, he's infinite, and he's personal. He's so personal that he knows every hair on our head. He knows every hair that we don't have on our heads. He knows all things about us. Why? Because he created us. He is the creator. He's the manufacturer. The manufacturer knows every detail put in to who we are. He is both infinite and he's personal. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. God is infinite and personal. He's holy. He's everything we need. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Could be translated Papa or Daddy. I like the word Papa because I'm a Papa now. Grandpapa. And it melts your heart every time you see he comes up. A little Hayden comes up. Hayden, we love you if you're watching. Papa! It's, it's, it's so personal. It's so like right, gets you right immediately. Papa. I remember when, when my kids were young and I'd come home from, come home from work. Daddy! All the things from the, all the junk that you dealt with all day. It was like, I don't even remember. Daddy. God's so personal that he says he wants us to call us. He wants us to recognize him as that for us. He's our papa. He's our daddy. He's both mighty. He's sovereign. He's strong. We got a strong daddy. My daddy can beat your daddy. You remember that? But he is daddy. He's personal. For every believer here today, I need you to know. Not only are you a child of Papa, but he's called you righteous. Sometimes we don't see the righteous in ourselves. But if we look to the eyes of who God is, then I dare to believe that we'll begin to live up to who we are in him. I believe that our identity in its entirety is held on the fact of where we hold God in our eyes. Who is God to us? He's infinite. He's personal. And it's in that understanding that I believe that in that idea that we can move forward with boldness, not in pride, but to be proud of the fact that we're Papa's kids and that we are called and we are appointed because God is our caller and our appointer-er. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. This is really an introduction. We need to delay the groundwork first. What's the groundwork? I am who I am. It's representative of God. We have been given a lot of opportunity in this world to put a lot of things above who God is. And like you, I have found myself in a position where I've looked at things and decided uh, based on that thing or that circumstance or how I felt or what someone said, based who I was on that. Like Moses did. But God didn't describe all of the problems that Moses was. He simply said, I called you, Moses. And I appointed you, Moses. And he began to say, not when you do this and when you do that. So I wanted to declare that to you today. Maybe you're not in the place that you should be spiritually. But I want to declare what God says. God says, you're, you, we might be saying, who am I, God? I, I know what I did last week, and I know what I did yesterday. I know how I felt. I know what I thought. I know all of these things. 
And those things might be facing you. But again, we focus first on who God is. Then we can see clearly. Then we'll make right assumptions about us. And if we make a right assumption of who we are and whose we are, then we're able to do the right kind of action. We're able to live to the place that God has called us to live. I believe that with every ounce of my being. I believe that this is the heart of God in this moment and in this time because the world is trying to tell us who we are, what we should be, what we should think, what we should say, what we shouldn't do, what all of these things. And I say, we take the confusion away and we say, God, who do you say I am? I'm not of this or I'm not of that. I am yours and you are mine. I am called and I am pointed. God didn't have you here in this time by accident. He didn't. You, I, I know I've Lord, I don't think I was supposed to live in this generation. This generation is whacked. God doesn't mess up. And if God doesn't mess up, then that means he's called and appointed you in this moment and in this time. You are the answer that we need. And it's because of God in you. And if we see who God is, if we see how big he is, how mighty he is, how great he is, how everything he is at us, all of the names that he is, he's described it so plainly, so clearly, that if we will understand that, then I can say, I am called and I am anointed. Devil, you kind of try to come with me as spears and swords, but I come with to you in the power of God because I'm called by him in Jesus' name. That's who you are. That's who we are. That's who God has created you to be. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Because this is only possible. The only way we receive what God has called us and appointed us is if that we would answer the call by saying yes to him. It's not given freely. Though it's easy to receive, it, was, it took everything to, to, to give. The Bible says the only way we receive this calling, this appointment, and the anointing of God in our lives only comes through Christ Jesus.